This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I am on location here in St. Michael's, Maryland at Lion Distilling, Maryland's very first distillery, which is amazing. Craft distillery. I got to say that word. But uh, I'm excited because I live in Easton. You're only nine miles away. And I'm just recently discovering, although you're not new, your location. And I'm here with Ben Lyon, the namesake of the products here. He is in partnership with Jamie Winden. They started the distillery a few years ago here in St. Michael's. Um, This is kind of a sleepy little sailing town. And yet we've had a winery for a while. But a place that makes booze. Ben, welcome to the show. What gave you the idea to do this? Well, thank you. Um, My first job out of college, I actually worked for a little brewery distillery uh, up in Nantucket called Cisco Brewers and Triple Eight Distillery. And they also have the Nantucket Vineyard, but I can't claim to have had anything to do with the wine. So, Um, but I was a home brewer before that. Um, Had always sort of thought about actually distilling but you know back in the back in the old days in the early 2000s you know it's like i'm sitting there looking at plans for stills online and even though i think i can build just about anything it's um distilling is interesting in that you know it's not a le- it's not legal to do it at home so there isn't that same sort of democratization of knowledge that you have with brewing and winemaking so i just never did it and so then when i went and worked for the brewery distillery uh that was sort of the inspiration and, and what really got me going. And I, I sort of fell in love with um, with that style of making booze. And so fast forward eight years and, and here we are. I love that. And I love that you call it booze. I do. I don't know if Jamie and you know, I do a little stand-up comedy on the side. And I just think we're way too politically correct these days about drinking. Everybody's afraid. Like, you can't say the, yes, spirits, craft cocktails, craft beer. You can't say booze anymore, right? You can't. Nobody's drinking. We're all tasting. So we've got to clean it up. And I love that you guys are just, like, getting real about it. And when you walk in the door here, it's beautiful but you're in a real distillery you aren't trying to make this into a fashion show or anything that it's not (laughs) when you found this space what even made you think that saint michael's maryland and here at the mill which is just off talbot street the main drag in saint michael's what made you think this was the right home for lion distilling it was a couple of things. One, I liked, I just liked the history of the building. I mean, this was an old flour and grain mill, you know, and, and so this place was open and functional up until 1972. And so I like that sort of industrial heritage that exists here in the sleepy little tourist town of St. Michael's now, you know, I mean, this was actually a, a booming town way back then, you know, it was, you know, a fishing town. I mean, agriculture, all this stuff was going on. I mean, they were making stuff here. And so the tasting room we're in right now was actually the drying room for the grain mill. Um, and so I liked that aspect of the building. Obviously it's huge. We have about, you know, 5,500 square feet, give or take. So plenty of space for, for all the equipment. Um, but also St. Michael's is kind of unique in that, you know, we have this lovely little town of, you know, I don't know, seven or 800 permanent residents. Um, but it's also home to lots of vacation homes, you know, rentals, you know, sort of it's the second second home for a lot of the sort of D.C., Northern Virginia, Philadelphia and uh, greater Manhattan area crowd. And so even though this was sort of a fishing town and you know, sort of working class, you also have a little bit of that 
sort of urban influence now. And it was just a nice balance of things, you know, where we, you know, you sort of an hour and 15 minutes from DC, but when you get here, you're literally a world away. And, um, you know, we've got the brewery and the winery here and, you know, it was kind of a fun thing to connect sort of that Bermuda Triangle of booze back here in the mill. So there's that. And, um, and Maryland has this really unique history in distilling that, you know, somehow had not been revived yet. And so there was the unique opportunity to be the first craft distiller in the state. And so here we are. I love that. All right. Perfect. So now you are the first craft distillery. You found this great location, St. Michael's, Maryland. The name was easy. Yeah, <laughs> it's <right>. yours. <laughs> um, but you're focusing mostly on rum. Yes. Which, you know, a lot, there's so much talk about rye because mm-hmm. of the history here in Maryland. And I've had lots of guests on the show about that. But right. rum in Maryland, you know, you don't see that connection a lot. What made you want to focus on rum as your first spirit for the business? Um, one, I mean, it was just, it was the broader history of rum. Um, you go back to the 1700s, all up and down the East coast. I mean, you had distilleries making rum in the 1700s, new London, Connecticut was the rum capital of the entire world. And so in the colonial days, people were not drinking whiskey. They were not drinking cognacs or, I mean, they were drinking a little bit of brandy, but in general it was rum. And the reason was they weren't wasting those cereal grains on making booze. They were using them for food because farming was much less efficient back then. Um, and so part of this was sort of the historical trajectory of distilling in Maryland. I mean, first you had rum. Then later, as you get to the late 1700s, early, 18, early to mid 1800s, um, started to make corn whiskey. And then the tobacco industry became really large in Maryland. And so to replenish uh, the nitrogen levels in the soil, they started growing lots of rye. And so right around 1900 was kind of that peak of, of Maryland rye. And it was, you know, a style that was, uh, you know, very unique to Maryland in that it was a low rye content whiskey. But the rum was the first thing made in any quantity in the state. And so in following that, I mean, obviously, we, you know, the focus is rum. And we, you know, I'm doing a corn whiskey as well as a rye. But, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was rum first. I mean, you know, both because of the historical significance of it, but also because I, I love rum. So <laughs> that's that. You have to at least fund your own drinking. So I like the way you're thinking here with this. <laughs> at least you're saving money, right? Okay, so let's, we always do the sips of the week on the Sipping Point. We profile a couple of products that folks sure. can go out and find and drink. So actually we have three here that I, I'm tasting and that you serve. So let's take each one by one sure. and tell folks a little bit more about each product. First, you have your more of your classic white rum. Exactly. So tell me about your take on classic white rum. Okay. So rum traditionally was made from hundred percent molasses. Literally you're mixing molasses and water and fermenting that into sort of this molasses beer. Um, and getting kind of a really funky molasses sort of deep, dark sugar kind of note. Um, and so with this rum, obviously you want to take that historical legacy of that traditional molasses based rum, that Caribbean style. And I wanted to sort of bring it into the new age. And so in addition to using molasses, we use a really rough grade of organic. Um, that's basically a lot like your, your sort of unfiltered black strap. Um, I use half cane sugar and I get this cane sugar from Florida crystals. It's basically evaporated cane juice. So you get a really crisp, um, clean, grassy, authentic cane note 
um, little hint of sweetness that comes from that sugar. And it balances, I think, very nicely with the richness and depth that you get from, from the molasses in that fermentation. So um, that was kind of the idea with, with the white. Um, just make something a little more complex, a little more, that has a little more character um, than sort of your typical white rums. And then distill it really carefully. So it's something that, um, that you can use in, in lots of different cocktails. But, but showcases just where you can go with your base rum. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Ben Lyon of Lyon Distilling. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach, and we're back with the sipping point. Lion Distilling. We're here with Ben Lion, and so people are very comfortable and and know about the classic. Now, lots of us love dark rum too. Yes. So you obviously knew that had to be in the lineup. Exactly. But you have your own take um, and a and a way of pulling that off. How would you distinguish your dark rum from maybe some others, big brands on the market? So I think. You know, particularly for sailors like myself, you know, you think of a dark rum and you're looking at Gosling's or Myers. And Gosling's is a great example. I mean, they actually copyrighted dark and apostrophe stormy. So the dark and stormy, you know, is owned in part by by Gosling's, as ridiculous as that might sound. But um, but so you, you take Gosling's and you look at one, the color. It has this sort of deep, dark, sort of almost ruby red to it. And that comes from the addition of Sherry. And sherry is added to lots of rums. This is one of the sort of trio of, you know, the, the rum making cheaters kind of playbook. And, um, and that was because rum was also aged often in sherry barrels, if you go back in history. Of course, now, not much sherry production, so the barrels are harder to come by. So they will literally just dump sherry into the tank. Um, not something that's inherently part of the rum. So I wanted to not do that. The other thing that you sort of find a lot in rums in general, as well as the dark ones, is vanilla. Um, you'll definitely get a vanilla note and that, again, something you're just dumping in there. And then caramel. And so with this dark rum, rather than add ingredients that weren't inherently part of the rum, I took that raw cane sugar that we started with in the fermentation and I'll literally put a bunch of big brew pot, add some water to it, cook it into a caramel and add just a touch of that to... Um, to the white rum and it just adds depth and character a little bit of sweetness but because it's that base ingredient you're really building on that that profile that you've kind of already cultivated um, in the fermentation then to subsequent distillation and so I think it just melts together really nicely and gives you that nice dark color gives you a lot of character and depth and also just really turns it into a, an incredibly versatile rum that you can do pretty much anything with. Well, we talked a little bit about my fascination with the reality show Moonshiners, <laughs> which I guess you're telling me is not real, but uh, I just love Jim Tom. He's going to be my second husband. Um, <laughs> those gums are exquisite. No, but uh, so you, your third product, obviously yep. rum is the mainstay here, but the third product we tried is a corn whiskey, yep. um, but you're saying a more elegant, maybe moonshine, if you want to yeah. think of it in that way. So what inspired you, other than then I guess moonshine is still kind of like a, a craze thing that's going yeah. on. It seems really hot. I was just down in Nashville at the Wine and Food uh -huh. Festival, and American uh -huh. Born was the big moonshine sponsor there, and they're all over the place. So tell me what inspired this, and kind of your just your thoughts on the whole moonshine craze. Yeah. Well, to, to start with the whiskey, I mean, it was the idea was to create kind of a historically authentic corn whiskey. Uh, I really like um, 
kind of getting away from this whole, you know, moonshine nonsense. I like the exercise of drinking a spirit, particularly a whiskey, before it's been put in the barrel. I think it's a very interesting thing to observe and enjoy those raw grain notes before you've picked up that just oaky vanilla that you always get from, you know, sitting in a charred barrel. And I think there are some really cool flavors there that we don't often get exposed to. And so I like that raw corn note. I really like those raw barley notes. Um, and then to sort of push this over the top and, and differentiate it from a lot of the raw whiskeys that are out there, um, I put in 2% rye, actually. And so you can't really discern it as a rye. But when you drink the whiskey, there's a certain depth there. There's a certain complexity that you don't get with just a standard sort of quote-unquote moonshine you know, style corn whiskey. That's just... You know, sweet corn, basic. You know, not a lot going on there. Um, and so, to to make this, to sort of finish this off, I will put it into new charred oak barrels, literally overnight. So it just picks up that light little hint of oak, um, and just adds just a little hint of complexity and and character, and sort of gives you a little bit of a a familiarity while being a lot different than one any of the moonshines that you can buy out there. Um, but two, um, you know, just to, to, you know, add something more without overwhelming it. I mean, you know, you think of bourbon and I think the best way to, to look at that is, you know, if you take a new charred oak barrel before you put anything in it and you smell it, it smells like bourbon, mm. you know, and that, and that to me is the most telling thing about that profile. You're not really getting those grains, you're getting barrel. Right. And I think there's a lot to be said for, for, you know, highlighting what's going on with those grains so so that's what i do i feel that same way about wine about overly oaked wine and just masks all the flavor of the grapes you know i don't want to drink oak water yeah (laughs) and now how would you consume the corn whiskey would you just drink it straight would you put it on ice do you mix it into cocktails all the above (laughs) well that kind of brings us to sort of the funny thing about moonshine now you know with the with the whole moonshiner show everybody's drinking it all these come midnight moon you know um all kinds of crazy stuff moonshine's hard or this sort of raw whiskey this raw spirit is tough in a cocktail um there's not a lot that it goes really well with um, I would say this, just drink it by itself. Um, I think, you know, to my palate, this was something that I made to be enjoyed on its own. Um, it's not heavy, like, you know, a bourbon or a scotch or anything like that. So you're getting similar notes, but it's not something that you would sort of shy away from on a hot summer day. Um, and I, the other thing was that even though I proofed this at a hundred, you know, I think you can drink this side by side with lots of the other, you know, quote, God, I hate the term moonshine, but, you know, drinking next to these moonshines that were distilled to be harsh on purpose. Like there's some badge of honor that comes with drinking this white lightning raw corn whiskey, you know, like, like that's somehow cool or interesting or in any way. And I think, you know, the whole moonshine thing is, is just really five years ago. And I think, you know, it's time for, for everybody to move on, get over this stage nature of this faux reality um, that Discovery Channel is, you know, putting out they're as amusing as it might be um and you know and, and we can really celebrate you know kind of this cool historical thing that is this you know this raw whiskey mm-hmm. um you go back to the 1700s 1800s you weren't buying perfectly aged whiskey they would make it barrels were there for storage not for creating profile as it turns out it's a wonderful thing to leave it in the barrel but 
you'd go and buy, you know, corn whiskey that had just been made. And yeah, it was a, it was a white whiskey. That was it. And so, so that's what's going on here. But um, yeah, no moonshine for me. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Ben Lyon of Lyon Distilling. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach, and we're back with The Sipping Point. We're here with Ben Lyon, L-Y-O-N, not L-I-O-N. And if folks are getting inspired, as I'm sure they are listening to the interview, and they want to come see you here in St. Michael's, they probably already come to St. Michael's. Tell us a little bit about uh, how folks can come experience the distillery, what they can do here, and when they can do it. By the way, you're um, liondistilling.com, or you have a great Facebook page, Lion Distilling. Yep. So how do people come out and experience what you have to offer? All right, well, we have normal business hours. Monday through Thursdays, we're by appointment only. So if it just so happens, you're zipping into town. Generally, I'm here every day. But, um, but give a call, and if we're around, you know, I can potentially, you know, Bring in here at least uh, we can do a tasting um, you can purchase bottles um, if you're lucky maybe I'll squeeze in a tour depending on how uh, chaotic it is in the back but um, but then Fridays Friday through Sunday we have normal business hours 12 to 6 um, on the weekends Saturdays and Sundays we're doing tours uh, generally on Saturday it's 1 3 and 5 are the tour hours Sundays at 2 um, but those things change a little bit. We always update our Facebook page. Um, and even if you're not on Facebook, you can you can look at our page. It's not private. So uh, feel free to, to log in there and, and take a peek. But um, but yeah, you come in. Uh, we'll do a tasting. Um, if there's a tour scheduled, you know, we'll, we'll walk through the, the whole tasting thing. And then I'll take you in the back, show you how we do the whole process. You know, everything from fermentation to distillation to, you know, our tiny little bottling operation and all the labeling that goes into it. Um, and, uh, and I've been known to, I've, I've even been known to sign some of my labels in front of everybody. So, um, I'm still doing it. Don't have carpal tunnel yet. So, um, but yeah, but basically the idea here is that we're the only place in Maryland where you can see this whole process unfold. And, um, yeah, so you can come down, check us out and, uh, and show you how it works. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a second with a question, but it's not that hard. Um, so if there are inspiring distillers out there, people who are inspired by your story and want to do their own possible future distillery of a different kind of spirit in a different part of Maryland. Uh, what advice would you have for them? That's the first question. And are you, do you take uh, interns or do you look for volunteers for help during the year? I mean, I know with wineries, you know, harvest, bottling, they're always looking for a ton of people. So how, how can people, you know, what's your advice for somebody who's just has an idea? Yeah, I would say, I mean, number one, be authentic. Um, figure out what it is you like. You know, what is it that when you wake up in the morning, you're going to be psyched to get in the distillery and, and make it and do that thing. And, and something that you're interested in, in pushing, you know, I mean, I'm making rum and rum in terms of what all the small distilleries in the country are making is not all that popular, but it's something that I really loved. And, you know, it's different than just going out and being like, all right, I'm going to studiously, you know, produce a textbook, perfect bourbon, like great everybody's doing that not that I don't love a good bourbon mm -hmm. but you're not really doing anything that's out of the ordinary right. um, and I just get so bored with the number of distilleries out there that are opening up and and you know I mean the, the number one way to make good money is you know if you want to sell something just crank out a vodka <laughs> really really easy just um, just produce a grain neutral spirit charcoal filter the hell out of it and you're in business kids you know and it's 
and it's I boring. I thought you had to flavor it like cotton candy. Well, you could. You could do that too. I mean, you know, that, that you know, I, I saw a um, glazed donut flavor vodka the other day. You know, that, that seems like uh, something. I mean, Americans love their sugar. But, um, you know, it's America's number one selling spirit. So, you know, if you want to make bucks, you know, just make vodka. You know, there's nothing to it. Um, but figure out what, what you like, what you're into, and just what your story is. I mean, what makes, you know, your idea cool. And But your passion will come through. And I think, you know, my whole thing with this distillery was just to be super authentic. You know, people say, well, what's, what's your marketing plan? Like, how do you plan to reach me? And I was like, well, my marketing plan is literally to not have one. And that's it. And it's just, you know, if you make good stuff, people will buy it. And, and, that's, and that's all there is to it. I mean, really. Perfect segue. Speaking of buying it, where can folks, other than here at the distillery, where can they get yeah. your product? Um, currently, Theo's Steakhouse right here in St. Michael's uh, carries our, our rums on the bar. They have our, our white, our dark, and the barrel aged. Um, so you can do the whole flight. Um, soon we are going to be expanding to a few other select restaurants in Annapolis, Baltimore, and then DC as well. And, um, we just picked up a distributor in Louisiana cause we're doing tales of the cocktail out there in July. And, um, so that'll be, that'll be kind of fun. So we'll be able to buy our stuff in uh, new Orleans of all places. But, um, but yeah, for now, this is the primary spot where you can buy our booze. Um, and I guess you would ask what for people who want to get into it, what do they yeah. do? Um, that's tough. I think, um, you know, I, I had the luxury of working for a distillery. Um, these days, there's an endless supply of free labor. I mean, you wouldn't believe the number of people who are like, I'll come do whatever you want. I will just slave in the trenches for zero dollars. And, um, and it's awesome. And it's cool that people are so into it. And I think um, you're just doing that, but also research. Um, the internet is your friend. And you can figure out so much um, just by reading what's going on out there. I mean, distilling is not a mystery anymore. And, you know videos on Vimeo and YouTube, you know, read the articles, look at what the other guys are doing. Um, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite resources out there, um, buddy Colin Spellman owns Kings County Distillery, um, put out a book on the urban, it's the urban guide to moonshine. And, um, it's a phenomenal book, goes through the history of whiskey and distilling and just a really great in-depth look. Um, Corsair Distillery uh, put out a fantastic book on the variety of really, really just unbelievably innovative uh, whiskeys and spirits that they're, that they're producing out there in Kentucky and Tennessee. Um, those guys are total artisans, really pushing the art. And um, there's a lot of information out there. And if you can, then also go, you know, get an internship. Try, try and work at a distillery if you can. Um, but you can really do a lot of the work on your own. Uh, before before you even get in there. So that's that's my thought. Well, Ben Lyon from Lyon Distilling, great tasting products. We got the rum and the corn whiskey. Enjoyed that tasting and learning all about how you started this from nothing in our sleepy little town here in St. Michael's, Maryland. If you want to come out and see him, check out liondistilling.com or go to the Lion Distilling Facebook page. Ben, thank you very much. I look forward to uh, sipping many more spirits with you in the future. Cheers. Right. Thank you.